Welcome to Oasis Podcast Sermons, where our call is to gather the scattered back into relationship with God. Holy Spirit, give each listener discernment, wisdom, and understanding as they desire to know you more. Speak to their hearts and continue to guide and direct them into deeper relationship with you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Enjoy. God is good. Amen. 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 Yeah, Father, I just thank you so much for this night. Lord, I thank you for this opportunity for us to gather freely and just be able to freely worship you, praise you, Father, that you like you deserve to praise you rightly, Jesus. Lord, I ask that you teach us to live lives of worship. Lord, that we would be able to live a life worthy of the calling that you have placed on us and worthy of the sacrifice that you made for us. <laughs> Amen. Amen. I saw this in Jesus Revolution and I totally loved it. <laughs> this is the Word of God. Yeah. Yeah. This is life. Let's open it together. Yeah. <laughs> uh, tonight we're in the Second Peter chapter 3. This is a letter basically. I'm going to just read you from 1 Peter 1. Uh, this is Peter talking, obviously. He says, I'm writing to God's chosen people who are living as foreigners in the province of Pontus, Galatia. Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithia. So there's a little bit of context for you guys. He's writing to some foreigners in some far off Gentile lands who are probably facing some, a lot of persecution. Probably just like we are living in a Gentile land with people who don't love the Lord, but we're still children of them. Um, so this is 2 Peter 3, and we're just going to jump straight into it. Um, in my Bible's titled, The Day of the Lord is Coming. Come on. And actually, sorry, I'm back up. My message tonight that the Lord had given me was just basically just to kind of share my thoughts on what I've been walking through this past few weeks. And basically, the Lord has been challenging me, and I feel like challenging us as a friend group, as a culture of representing the Lord properly in Ben High, of how is it we're actually portraying Him? Are we actually, like, we can come and we can worship Him rightly, but is, are the way we're portraying Him actually worthy of what He's to be portrayed as? that makes sense? Are we actually living the life the way the Lord tells us to and doing what he says, actually doing it and not saying it? Because people need to do living out of the Bible, not a new explanation. So, yeah. I actually forgot who it was. It's pretty cool. Okay. <laughs> so it says, this is my second letter to you, dear friends, and in both of them I've tried to Stimulate your wholesome thinking and refresh your memory. I want you to remember what the Holy Prophet said long ago and what our Lord and Savior commanded through your apostles. So Peter just opened straight up and he's like, hey, by the way, I'm here to remind you. And then he's going to tell us Peter reminds you. He's like, this isn't new. This isn't new. It's nothing crazy. Nothing revolutionary. It's all, it's all right here. This is a reminder of what the Lord is telling us to do. He says, most importantly, I want you to remind you that in the last days, scoffers will come, mocking the truth and following their own desires. They will say, what happened to the promise that Jesus is coming again? From before the times of our ancestors, everything has remained the same since the world was first created. So these things, some people say like, oh, I'm a New Testament believer. But it's like the whole Bible is all the same message. 
You look at the idea of repentance, it still comes up in Isaiah and Jeremiah, who's like, you look at Isaiah and you're like, dang, Israel is like literally screwed, like the Lord is like literally selling them into slavery, into Babylon. But if you look throughout it, he still says, if you were to repent and come back to me, I would still accept your sacrifices. So everything has remained the same. I like here it says that in the last day scoffers will come, and it says they're going to do two things. They're going to mock the truth, and they're going to be following their own desires. So if we're going to actually be lovers of Jesus Christ, followers of him, and we don't want to mock his name by taking it on and then not representing it properly. The two main things, right here is what it says, there's plenty of others too, but it says we need to make sure to not mock the truth, essentially, and to not follow our own desires. So that means we need to acknowledge the truth is the opposite of mocking it then. Acknowledge it, acknowledge it's good, and follow it. And then in addition to that, instead of following our own desires, we need to follow the desires of the Lord, which he'll actually give to you. He'll give you your desires. I had a desire at the beginning of the year to do this FCA thing and just be like, awesome, let's go for it, let's do something great. And the Lord gave that to me, and with that I've been able to run it and partner with Olivia and all of these guys and everyone else in coming and trying to, trying to make it, not trying to make it a reality, but following the Lord in making that a reality of that desire of making the Lord actually known in high school. Because a lot of people know about him, but people don't actually know him. Yeah. And in English, it's actually the same word just to know. It's, there's no difference. But in a lot of different languages, there's very different words between intellectually knowing something, like two plus two is four, and actually knowing somebody on a personal level. Yeah, come on. And we need people who actually know the Lord on a personal level, who actually have a relationship with them. Yeah. And that relationship comes with the cost. Yeah. It comes with dying to yourself every day. Like Jesus told us to. Yeah, come on. Says they deliberately forget that God made the heavens long ago by the word of his command, and he brought the earth out from the water and surrounded it with water. Then he used the water to destroy the ancient world with a mighty flood. And by the same word, the present heavens and earth that have been stored up for fire, they're being kept for the day of judgment when ungodly people will be destroyed. And there's the word of God. It says by the same word. It says by the word of his command, everything was created. By the word of his command, he said to, to the, the planet that literally had never rained before in all of history. That's why people said Moses was crazy. Because he said the water's going to fall from the sky. And they said, you're crazy. That's never happened before. The Lord said by his word, the water's going to come and it's going to destroy all of society. So when God tells us a word, it's his word. It's the same word that created the entire planet, the entire solar system, our galaxy, us, me, you, everything, the floor we're walking on. It's his word that created that. And yet when we get his word, we say, oh, well, I don't know if he's actually going to do it. But it's the same word. God doesn't change. It's the same word of his love, of his grace, of his power that he's going to come into us and work through us. Yeah to do the mighty things that he's put on our heart. It's not, it's not just our desire, but it's his desire to see our schools changed, yeah. to see the city in revival, to see salvation flood the streets, to see people actually turn and recognize the power of the Lord. Amen. It says, but you must, not, you must not forget this one thing, dear friends. A day is like a thousand years to the Lord, and a thousand years is like a day. The Lord isn't really being slow about his promise, 
as some people think. No, he is being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. Come on. The day of the Lord will come as unexpectedly as a thief. Then the heavens will pass away with a terrible noise, and the very elements themselves will disappear in fire, and the earth and everything on it will be found to deserve judgment. So the Lord is like a thousand years, is a day to the Lord, a day is like a thousand years. So it's this the idea that he's outside of time. And so that means, to us, what that can mean is it's this idea of we're, we need to be patient on him because he works in his own timing because he created time itself. He created the time, he said, I designed you specifically for this time in which you're supposed to be here. <coughs> so why would I not use you in it? Come on now. <laughs> he says, no, he isn't being patient for your sake. So he's talking to the believers, the people who are saved. He says, he does not want anyone to be destroyed. He wants all of us to be able to come into heaven. So that looks like us actually going and being making real disciples of faith. Not just like disciples of Darian, disciples of Zoe, disciples of Caleb, disciples of Christian, but disciples of Jesus. Yeah. There are no grandchildren in the kingdom of heaven. There's nobody's coattails you can write on. It is by Jesus Christ that we are saved. Yeah. Nothing more, nothing less. And in that, he's being patient for us. He wants, he wants everybody to come to him. And one of the most important ways for us to actually demonstrate how good God is in our life is by actually representing him properly. Are we actually going to be genuine love? Not the definition of love that the world has given us, that it can be between the same sex and marriage, or it's just like between humans and animals or whatever that the world has told you, but it's actually true, authentic, godly love that is unconditional, is always forgiving, and will always be looking at you even when you turn away from him. That's good, yeah. A few weeks ago, I noticed my mouth was starting to get a little foul. And the Lord told me, hold on, man. Because this relationship with him requires something. It requires this cost of saying, okay, Lord, I'm going to die to myself every day. And he said, hey, you need to stop this. And he actually delivered the word through Ashton. <laughs> and so I was, and actually the funniest thing, the, no, it's not funny, the stupidest thing was I saw myself defending my sin. In the moment, I was like, whoa, like, do, like, do we really have to do that? What's this about? Like, I think it's pretty funny. But the Lord doesn't. The Lord calls us to get rid of these things in our life, the voice of death out of our life, to actually remove these voices that are calling on us, that are literally messing with us, trying to pull us, yank us away from God. And sometimes it seems like they're just too strong and you just have to give in. But the truth is the Lord is stronger than that as long as you're holding on to him too. As long as there's this active love of wanting to pursue God, not just watching him pursue you, but actually also coming back, pursuing the Lord, saying you are worthy of my life. You are worthy of it all. then there's a strength to be found in holding on tightly to the Lord. And once you grab on, it is, you never want to let go. Because God is just so good. Since everything around us is going, verse 11, sorry. Since everything around us is going to be destroyed, what holy and godly lives you should live, looking forward to the day of God and hurrying it along. 
on that day, we will set the heavens on fire and the elements will melt away. But we are looking forward to the new heavens and the new earth, as he promised. We're filled with God's righteousness. So Jesus says the Lord's going to come like a thief in the night. He's just going to be like, all right, like, whatever. Like, we, we can be in the middle of these people, but Jesus can be showing up at this exact moment. So we need to continually, actively pursue a relationship with him, a godly life with him. So that when he does show up, we actually can get this reward. So the reward is Jesus. The reward is being able to spend eternity, not just hanging out, vegging out in heaven, but as the angels are in heaven at this very moment, that we could be able to go and spend eternity physically looking at Jesus and praising him until the end of days. That is like the goal. Like in worship, when the joy of the Lord just falls, imagine if that wasn't actually just like this Wednesday night and it was, well, first of all, we're supposed to live life's worship. You walked around with this joy. How great it is when we're on earth and he's still in heaven and on earth too, giving us this joy. But how greater will it be when we're right there in heaven with him? And it's like, you're not like this idea of like, okay, Jesus is here, but I don't physically see him. It's like, you are looking right at him. Like, hey bro, how's it going? You are amazing. Like actually <laughs> sitting right there at the feet of Jesus. That is what eternity is going to look like for us. Good. And how awesome that is. And so how, how much of a godly life should we live? Something where we can actually get up to the pearly gates and he's going to say, welcome home, good and faithful servant. Depart <coughs> from me, for I never knew you. Verse 14. And so, dear friends, while, we, while you are waiting for these things to happen, make every effort to be found living peaceful lives that are pure and blameless in His sight. And I love that it says blameless in His sight. Just talking about the Lord's sight. Yeah. The earth can always find fault in us. The earth is less forgiving than the Lord, and yet we still continually try to please the world, even though it's actually such a higher standard. It's so much harder to please the world than it is to please God because the only thing God asks for you is your life yeah. here on this planet. The world doesn't just ask for your life. It'll also ask for your soul. It'll ask for your very well-being. It'll ask for you to be tired, to be shameful, and to not follow the Lord. Sorry. So therefore, we should make every effort to be found living peaceful lives that are pure and blameless in His sight. Verse 15, And remember the Lord's presence gives people time to be saved. This is what our beloved brother Paul also wrote to you with the wisdom God gave him. Speaking of these things in all of his letters, some of his comments are hard to understand, but those who are ignorant and unstable have twisted his letters to mean something quite different, just as they do with other parts of Scripture. So Peter is literally directing calling people out. He's like, some of these people who are ignorant and unstable have twisted his letters to mean something quite different. So why do we come, and like Peter says, to not be mockers and to actually follow the word of the Lord, why do we come and actually just ignore the Lord's scripture? If he says he demanded this of the Levites, the priests of the past covenant or the priests of the new covenant, if he says I demanded that the Levites stood in reverence of me, why is it that in the new covenant, covenant when we're the priests, we say it's okay, Lord, I don't need to reverence you. 
I don't need to hold you in this high awe of respect because I got this. We need to have this reverence, this fear of the Lord to actually get rid of the crap in our life that he's asking us to get rid of so that we can be back up in heaven with him saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come for all of eternity just to be able to praise him. You already know these things, dear brothers, so be on guard that you will not be carried away by the errors of these wicked people and lose your own secure footing. Rather, you must go grow in grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Glory to him, both now and forever. Amen. Amen. Says not to be carried away by the errors of these wicked people. And in our schools, there's lots of there's lots of things that the even the Lord says is bad, and that's good, and we know that. And there's other things that the world also says is bad, and that's also often what the Lord says is bad. But it's important that He says, "Then you will not be carried away by these errors of these weak people." So the good news is the Lord. Yes, He calls us to get rid of the trash, to clean out the garbage in our life, not because He doesn't like us, but because He loves us. And so that we would not be carried away by it. He says, hey, I need you to get rid of this sin because the line is drawn very precisely. He says, sin, everything sin is on this side. That's hell. Yeah. That's how it is. Life is me is on this side. It's very small. It's not like it's not like this point system where it's like you get somewhere around here and then you make it up to heaven. It's very simply any sin is in your life, that is hell. But the beauty of it is it says to not be carried away because Jesus came and died for our sins. He came to actually set the captives free so that we can come and take the sins of our bondage, of our body, the brokenness of our body, and be able to cast it back into the pit of hell where sin belongs. And then we can come and to walk with the Lord so that we can walk with him for eternity. So as we break into class tonight, the question is, what has the Lord told you to get rid of? And why are you still holding on to it? I hope Holy Spirit spoke to you about something in this message today. If you would like to come to service in person, we meet on Sundays at Palmer's Cafe in Bend, Oregon at 5 p.m. located at 645 Northeast Greenwood Avenue. Or if you have any questions about what you just listened to, please email us at oasis.com. Dot central Oregon at gmail.com. Thanks for tuning in.